Welcome to the Your First Rental Podcast. Let's talk real estate. Welcome to the Your First Rental Podcast, where an average Joe and a pro teach you how to get into the wonderful world of real estate and get your first rental. I'm your host, JP, here with my my companion, my compadre, my ambassador of Quan, <laughs> Nate. Parks, how you doing, buddy? I am doing good. This is uh, Nate Parks with Austin Home Team Keller Williams. Uh, I can help you on the uh, purchasing of, of properties as well as selling, uh, and the beautiful relationship that we built as as well as the uh, the property management and the rental side of the game. And you can be reached at nateparks at kw Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well let's let's get into it because. Here at the YFR podcast, we like to just give you content, good content, and nothing else. So let's see. Let's talk about all the good that's happening, Nate. Uh, we we closed on three more units last week, two weeks ago. Yep, yep. The beauty of those uh, three is that two of those uh, already had tenants in them. It's a no-brainer. Uh, you kind of you walk in, we already know what the rent is. Um, again, I go through and talk with the tenant and get a good idea if they're, you know, a good or bad tenant. Do we want them to stay or do we want them to go? But it's just easy flow of knowing that that money is going to be there and available and we don't have to go out and search for a tenant. Yeah. And then um, on the one of them is a Section 8. Correct. Okay, Correct. One is Section 8. And uh, we're going to try to Section 8 that other one. Yep. And I think that'll be like five episodes right there. We're gonna we're gonna take you through the world of Section Eight because it's I think it, there's a bad connotation to Section Eight, but there's people getting rich off Section Eight. Yeah, no, there's absolutely a, a good side to it, and uh, you know I don't know why more people don't do it and why you know we don't do it more. So we're we're diving into it more to to see if we can we can get that um, on many of our properties that might be in question. Yeah, so I, I guess it's all about bedrooms and things, and we'll we'll look more into it. Yeah. But I mean, the rent at one of these units is nine hundred and ninety dollars, and we bought it for eighty thousand. That that's a that those are good numbers if you're looking at the quote unquote one percent rule. Yes. And then we've got bad things going on here at the YFR podcast. We always like to give you the unvarnished truth uh, because we don't want you to think that it's just good things. So we do. We might have an eviction. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're we're doing everything under the sun to not have it happen. Um, and I think one of the things that we've built as far as a relationship and a reputation with a lot of our tenants is that they're always surprised at, you know, the amount of attention that we we have on the units. Uh, so, you know, we've we've gone back and forth, upside down, sideways, trying to help this client. And it's, you know... You you want to believe them as much as you can, but then you know after a certain amount of time, you know the proof is in the pudding. And if they're not paying and coming up with excuse after excuse, you have to have to make that decision. Yeah, she was a good tenant, made payments for two or three months, and then started having all kinds of excuses and stories. So, um, yeah. But if we do have to do an eviction. That's going to be some great content. <laughs> it will. It will. Um, it, it's it's definitely a road that you don't want to go down, but I mean, it's definitely going to give good content as far as what the steps are. Kansas and Missouri are different. 
Uh, so it, it, we need to always make sure that we're we're taking it, that into consideration. And then the bad, bad COVID has really changed that, that dynamic as well. Yeah. So I think what we're going to do is uh, first try to get the tenant uh, some uh, assistance through these assistance programs. I mean, the government has poured billions of dollars into that. So we'll let you know how it goes. But hey, we're here for you. We're giving you good content. We're giving you the unvarnished truth. So today's episode, we're going to talk about five things that have surprised us about being in the sort of sort of beginner real estate world. And so the first one, and I have not heard this on any other real estate podcast, so I think this is platinum content right here. Number one thing that has surprised me is how <laughs> tedious a process it is, is to collect your rent checks. Because you think the way I envision it in my mind is the tenant goes online every month and just schedules an online automatic bank transfer like like I, I did, you know, for my mortgage and you probably do for your mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Nate, uh, but when you're dealing with the rental world, it is not like that at all. No, one of the things that you really have to take in consideration, it's the price point that you're at. And the price point with, that we're at um, it's a sweet spot. It makes it easy to, as far as getting, you know, tenants in there. Uh, it makes it also easy as far as on the the other side of it, as far as appraisals and building up equity. Um, you don't have a lot in um, as far as in the price point with it, that we're in. But the other side of that is, is that, you know, we're dealing with some smaller homes. We're dealing with, you know, some areas that are up and coming. And when the, the rents are a little bit lower, that's going to bring in a certain clientele that's not necessarily always going to have checking accounts. Uh, yeah. So I've got, <laughs> I got a tenant and I uh, said, oh, you can do a online, you know, you can just pay online through your online banking. And she literally said, oh, no, I don't, I don't have a bank account. Yeah. She just deals in, in cash. And that just blew my mind. But I mean, there are a lot of people out there that don't have bank accounts. Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, the, 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 the person, as far as, again, in the price point that we're in, and this is not to exclude any part of the, the market or anything like that at all, is that, you know, most of the people that are renting, a majority of them are going to be, you know, in a scenario that they would probably be purchasing a home if they had that ability. So there's going to, you know, they're dealing in cash, there might be a slight credit problem. There, there might be, you know, some other variables there where if they're not buying a home, you know, based off of the, you know, all the money that's out there, you know, they're, they're just living a different lifestyle. Yeah. And then another tenant, you might say, well, just, you can do it online banking. I'll send you a link. And then they tell you, well, I don't do internet. Um, I have learned more about the Western Union <laughs> wire transfer. Uh, a couple of my tenants pay with money orders. And so I, I don't want them mailing a money order. So you got to go drive by and, and pick it up. And I think to pick up all these checks, again, this might be reason number 200 to have a property manager, is they can do that because they've got people all around the city and they are constantly traveling around the city because that's part of their job, selling homes. It would probably take me two hours a month to just drive to all these places and, and collect the money orders or cash or whatever. But this is something that surprised me. I envisioned it like, hey, every month there's 17 bank transfers. And, and a, a few of the tenants are like that, but a lot of them are 
hey, I have cash or I, I just have a check I don't want to do online because I don't do internet or I don't have a bank account and uh, I just have money orders. So just if you're going to get into the real estate game, just know that, you know, it, people are different than you and you just have to expect these things. I mean, we're you're still getting the money. Yeah. And it's that's just, and that's the that, that's a big part of it. You know, one of the things that I use as, you know, kind of the half half full, half half empty, you know, concept is you're, you're getting to go buy those properties sometimes and check yeah, on those and, and it gives you gives you a reason, you know, when the the tenant has you if you're just doing a surprise checkup, you know, they're going to be a little hesitant, all those other types of things. This way we're at least able to check on the property at, at different times and uh yeah, and it, it works out for the most part. But yeah, it, it does gives you a little bit more window time in the car. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I n- didn't think of that. And then I'm right now I'm looking at like seven or eight checks that Nick, <laughs> that Nate uh, brought me. I'm sure they got money orders and all kinds of all kinds of fun, all stuff. kinds of fun things. But hey, you are it, it's money. It's all the same. Okay, reason number two. Uh, I have been surprised by how easy it is. Maybe maybe it, do you feel differently? Since you're actually doing the work, <laughs> no. I mean, it's it, once you get a process in, in hand, it, it does uh, get easier. You know, the more you kind of piece this together and do things here and there, it can get tedious. But you know, part of my life on the other side, as far as buying and selling, I work by referral, and I have a, a great team of people around me that can help in those instances where it might be showing a property. But also, as far as the relationships that I have with contractors, those types of things, it, it really helps in the process. Yeah, so it's a, there's a lot of front-end work, isn't there? But then once you get a tenant in and they're happy and the home is is humming along, there's really not much work. I mean, I'm a guy, I've, I've got two jobs, uh, so I don't have time to do this job. But mm-hmm. even then, I just it doesn't feel like there's that much to do. Yeah, for the return that you get, it's 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 definitely a lot easier than people think. Okay, the third thing that I have been surprised by is how easy it is to to find tenants. And that's that's all because of you, right Nate? <laughs> I do have a, a a process that I go through, you know, some of the things that I do as far as, again, on the selling and buying of real estate is that I have different clients that are outside of there as well. And they might be in a, a, a certain process in their life where they they might be close to buying or they you know thought about that American dream of, of buying. And, you know, we go through the process of trying to purchase a home. We find out that they're a year, maybe even two away from fixing credit or those types of things. So, that's a pool that I'm able to pull from to get tenants in to various areas. So that helps out quite a bit. And then this advertising on the internet, you know, again, once you find, you know, different links that works, you know, works best in these scenarios, just keep, you know, pouring into those and you'll be surprised at how easy it is to find people. Well, that was always, that that should be everyone's biggest fear is that you can't find a tenant and then you're making the monthly payment on your own. But it seems like, you know, we'll have a property and then you'll get inquiries. Is that from online? Is that from your own personal pool? How, how does that work? Uh, it, it's from both. Um, is that I'm usually, I'll put it out to the people that I have in my pipeline that are, you know, six six months to a year out to, of purchasing a home, or it might be, a, you know, a friend of a friend. You know, again, I got a lot of referrals that come out as well. It's like, hey, you know, 
Jack or, or Jill, you know, need a, need a place and, you know, I'll reach out to find out what area of town, you know, some of the times, you know, I'm, you know, looking at it from the other side also. And, you know, I'll talk to JP about this is that there's certain areas of town where I'm like, you know, I'm trying to, you know, find people houses in those areas. And in those areas, you know, those people are, we don't necessarily do lease to owns, but they, they get a little bit more familiar with that area of town if we purchase, you know, a home in that area. And then, you know, hopefully down the road, you know, if their, their scenario changes, they can, you know, go ahead and purchase a home down the road. Yeah. And then do you use Zillow or what? what? I do. Uh, Zillow's a good one. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of, I, I have a background check and a, a credit check that I do outside of Zillow, but Zillow's a good one where it's at least a, I guess, an initial scrub of the client to find out their background, to find out their their, their credit scenario. Um, and then once we get a little bit closer to if we're actually going to put them in the home or not, you know, I'll do a final scrub down with a, a service that I use. But I would say with anybody that's trying to do this on their own, I'm not a big fan of Zillow on the real estate side of things. But as far as the property management side of things, it works pretty slick. Any other computer programs or anything? Nope, nope. Uh, that those are usually the the, the two that I that I'll use. Um, again, the, I have a uh, your own pipeline. Plus, yes, you know, a, a usual conversation for us is kind of like, "Hey, we need to find a tenant on this, or or how are you doing on a tenant on that property X?" And it's like, well, we had some, you know, we had three showings at X amount of dollars. They have haven't had any bites. Why don't we drop the price to? you know, 12.50. And then we'll talk, you know, a few days later. Yeah, we've had, you know, six inquiries. I'm, I've got three showings out there. And then you just kind of adjust the price. And then, but there's always people that are interested in looking. And, and so it's kind of like, it's very, it's very scientific almost. Mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. you lower the price until you get that tenant that can meet that price. Yeah. And it's all, you know, again, the, the scary thing that we were talking about before is if the, is the eviction is that once you get somebody in there, it can be a little difficult to get them out of there. So you really want to do your homework up front to scrub down and making sure that you're getting that right tenant in that home. Yeah. So if somebody's out there right now in the Kansas city area, but you could do it in any other city is find someone like you in that city is after you purchase the property, they could call them and say, Hey, can you help me find a tenant? Mm -hmm. So I would not let not finding a tenant limit you or hold you back from getting your first rental. Reason number four that I've been surprised is the the lenders, <laughs> how different they are, how it's so relationship based. So I I bank with uh you know my personal banking account is um, through a bank here in town and. They, they act like they don't even want to do mortgages. I mean, they'll find reasons to not do it. The banking world must be a good good place to be because <laughs> I'm trying to give them my money, and they don't even want it. So I don't even deal with my personal bank. And then, uh, you know, the other the bank that we did a lot of our deals with, they're very just – they want to see every little aspect of your life. And it just makes it painful to work with them, but they give you good rates at, and lock it in for 30 years. And then now we're working with another lender, and uh, they don't even check anything, and they're giving you loans. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's all 
a little bit is is the difference is you know the personal to commercial side. So the the, the third uh, that we're working with that he had uh, discussed is a, is a commercial lender. They're going to usually look a little bit more, and that's where you know it kind of gets to the point where if you have good credit, those types of things, they're looking at it at more of a you know they'll already subtract if you have a renter in there, for instance, they'll take that thousand dollars a month that's coming in there and put that towards, you know, the money that you're bringing to the table. So it makes it a little easier on that side because it's definitely much more of a a business transaction than a a personal uh, purchase. Yeah. uh, In case, in case you didn't know out there and I didn't, that's, this is why maybe people do. So when you go out and you're, you know, you're Johnny and Sally and you're a married couple and you go to a bank and you say, we want to buy a home, uh, you know, they're going to give you uh, 2.75% because it's your home, you're invested in it. You know, they, they have to go through all the underwriting, everything. But you might get 2.75%, it's 30 years, whatnot. If, if you go and say you want to buy an investment property, you're not going to get that same number. No. No, not at all. Uh, that's that's definitely you know if you, if you go and it, there's going to be a, a larger down payment, that's going to be a requirement. There's not going to be any questions there. Again, you know if if you're looking at getting into a rental, you definitely want to have some savings there, and so it's not something where you're trying to get in at three percent and purchase a bunch of homes. Uh, but yeah, the interest rate's going to be a little bit different because they're going to look at it a different way. It's definitely in their eyes a little bit more riskier you know, that Jack is or, or Jill is, you know, living in a home compared to bringing somebody else in. Yeah. So that's the key. Your rate is going to be higher for an investment property. Because I think, uh, you know, I even have friends of mine that are thinking about doing it and they say, well, interest rates are so good these days. You know, my house is at 2.6%. I'm just going to go out there and get 30-year mortgages on investment properties. And, and that is not <laughs> the case. And the banks are different. The lenders are different. So I think if you're wanting to get into the game, I think one of the best things you could do is build relationships with a few different lenders. Like I said, some of them don't even want to do investment properties. You know, I got a bank that I call in, uh, not in town here that said, oh, yeah, we want to work with you, want to do this. And then when I called them with a deal, they gave me all kinds of excuses why – yeah. They didn't want to do it. So yeah. it's just, uh, it's very strange. But the banking world is, that's a odd. We should get someone from the banking industry and just kind of pick their brain. Yeah, out. yeah. There's all different types of niches that in, in the banking world. And some are going to, you know, look and have a good uh, understanding of the investment world. and But it's going to be like any anybody else is that, you know, individual, you know, some are going to love rentals, love real estate. Some are not going to know anything about it. There's real estate agents out there that don't know anything about investments, don't want anything to do with it. The same with banks is that, you know, they they haven't found that niche uh, to make it make sense for them. Uh, so they, they don't put their efforts uh, towards that. Yeah. So the one bank I was talking about, I did 10 deals with them. And uh, every time, so this was all in 2021. Every time, it could be two months later that we're buying another property, they would want a letter from my office saying that I still have a job. <laughs> and this is like we bought a house in July and then we bought another one in you know September and they still want a letter and they still want the pay stubs. And and then this 
other guy that we're working with now, he doesn't care that I even have a job. It's, it's very, <laughs> it's very strange. And but uh, yeah, just find a lender that you can work with. That's that's a huge and trust huge thing. And they'll tell you that they they want to do deals with you, and then they their actions will show you that they don't. Which I guess is their loss because it's just money that they're not getting. And then the fifth thing that I've been surprised by is on the uh, the renovation side. I've never built a house. I've never done any sort of work in a house. But I have heard a lot of horror stories about how it always goes over cost, how they always go over time, how they always it's always different than what they promise. But for our stuff, it's always on time. And the work is good. It's done in a timely manner. And the cost is what they say it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, that that legwork up front uh, has a lot to do with that. There's, yeah, I've been doing real estate for quite some time. I've built some good relationships. I've been through some bad relationships. Uh, so I, I've been able to kind of cipher through uh, the different contractors that are out there, the different relationships that I have. And, you know, if you treat people well, you know, the, in, in turn, you know, I have contractors that'll Obviously, there I'm always going to want people around me that are doing good work, but they'll also give good prices uh, based off of the amount of, of business that I'm I'm pushing their way. Yeah. So reason reason number three thousand to have a property manager, uh, in, unless you have relationships with all these kind of people, you don't know what you're getting into. But if someone's been doing it for years and they do have a relationship and, and with a person that has a track record, I mean that's that's uh, it's just worth its weight in gold. Because the guy that we work with, you know, he'll give you an estimate. He'll tell you, I'm going to do it at these times. And he always delivers. So he, there's never any of that, you know, oh, going over or going over price or, you know, it's taking way longer. They just get in there, do their work, and then get done. I, I always had in my mind that there would be just these horror stories of renovations, but I just haven't seen it. So I wouldn't let that, if you're out there, I wouldn't let that scare you. But I would hook up with someone like Nate that has these relationships and hasn't had them for years and get that, get that person involved so that they're doing your renovations. And then this guy's so good that he's done work on your house. Nate. Yeah. Yeah. He's done on uh, my house. Um, many of my clients' houses. Again, if you don't have a good baseline, I mean, somebody can come in and tell you that, you know, the job costs $10,000. If you've never, you know, remodel the kitchen or, you know, did a bathroom, you don't have a, a baseline to go off of. So you might do that work. And a lot of times what people don't understand is that a lot of contractors out there or don't necessarily want that business right now. It's just like we're talking about with banks is that a lot of them are, are busy enough or they might not, you know, want to work that hard. So they're going to throw a number out there to see is like, hey, if you're crazy enough to to, to pay this, you know, yeah, I'll come out and, and do the work. But, you know, oh, yeah. that's the same person that might not show up on time, you know, might when you once you get through the process, you know, there's a couple things that they found <laughs> that changes the price a little bit. So, again, yeah. those are all it, it's. It's, it's, this is not to, to scare people at all, but again, it's, it's finding somebody around that, you know, is, is seasoned and, you know, has the relationships there that can take a lot of that burden off your shoulders. Yeah. That, that track record is important. And so he's done work on your house, your client's house. And guess what? He was in my basement two weeks ago and I'm going to have him do my basement. Um, 
installation or basement finishing. Oh, you know what? I do have a horror story. That My one house renovation horror story, uh, this guy was everything that I had envisioned bad. So maybe that is why, why I've always been scared because <laughs> they didn't show up to do the work. Uh, and then he, the excuses he gave were like, well, one of my men committed suicide, so I can't make wow. it today. So wow. that's like, uh, okay, just keep the money I gave you. Don't come back. I have to hire someone else now to do it. So, yeah, I think people have those horror stories out there. I was always scared of it, but turns out if you have someone with a track record that you trust and have built a relationship with over years, the renovation side isn't that bad, and you shouldn't that shouldn't scare you away from being in the your first rental game. Yeah, yeah, you you get what you pay for a, a lot of uh, in a lot of scenarios and also one of the things that I was just as he was talking that I want to put out there as a as a warning, putting a bunch of money up front, you know, when they're doing that work. Stay away from that. Uh there's there's it's way too difficult to try to get that money back out of them if they just decide to, hey, I'm, you know, I'll take the money and that $1,500, you know, that I got from you on a $3,000 job, I don't feel like doing the work anymore. So try to come find me, huh. you, you know. What with, would you do? What uh, So like on a $3,000 job, what would you pay up front? Um, it really depends on the company. You know, again, with my relationships, I can get away with my clients not paying anything up front because they know I'm really? I'm good for it. Yeah, uh, so well, that's right. Yeah. we never paid. Yeah, so again, I get enough business to my contractors that they're usually comfortable with. You know, minimum there. You know, we might have to pay for materials. You know, up front, depending on how big the job is. But a lot of times we're not paying anything up front because they know that I'm bringing them quality clients that are going to pay. You know, at the end, but. I would say typically I would never pay more than what the building materials are. Um, and then I would also make sure that in, in a lot of those scenarios is that I would go buy the materials myself, not necessarily go pick them out, but get with that contractor and say, you know, hey, you're going to Home Depot, you're going to Lowe's or whatever, set up, you know, what you need. And then I'll go in and purchase that myself, you know, so it's under my name and it's not under, you know, that contractor's name. So if something does go south, you know, worst case scenario, you just have to find another contractor to do the work with the materials that you have. You know what? You're right. We did $6,000 worth of renovations on the the apartment Uh and I never paid anything up front. Yeah. Which I did think was strange and I was surprised (laughs) by, but that's interesting that that relationship goes the other way where they trust you that they would do the work without needing a down payment or any sort of payment. Yeah, so, yeah. That's interesting. All right, well, that is, th- those are five reasons or five things that have surprised us about being in the, or surprised me mainly, about being in the real estate uh, world. Something seems scary out there, but it's actually it's very doable. So, yeah, get out there. Uh, this has been JP and Nate. Uh, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review comment in the, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next time on the Your First Rental Podcast. Get out there and find a home.